Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book artist, writer and exceedingly nice chap David Robertson about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you know that the third and final instalment of my Victorian space adventure comic, Defend Milford Green, has launched on Kickstarter. If you like the idea of Star Trek with a Victorian twist, then feel free to check it out by visiting signalcomics.com forward slash defend, or by simply searching Defend Milford Green on Kickstarter. Now without further ado, on with the show. Hello, David Robertson. How's it going? Hey Sam, it's going well. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I I moved house over the weekend, so I'm a bit frazzled. Um, kind yeah. of boxes everywhere. We we're half unpacked, so that's that's not bad going. Um, and yeah, just a bit, you know, worn down to be honest. But um, it's 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 good to be in the new place. Basically, how about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm very well. I've been uh, working away on things. And uh, I'm just thinking, uh, we moved house about 10 years ago, and I'm sure I've still got boxes uh, waiting to be unpacked through there. So it's just when you get them to it, isn't it? It really is. I'm, like, There's an absolute ton in the loft. Um, and we'll probably end up in that situation as well, where you know just unopened boxes um, that yeah. could certainly go to a charity shop, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Um, but uh, you know that's uh, that's modern life for you, isn't it? Um, it's good you've still got energy to to do your show, though. Yeah, well, this is this, is this is a nice relaxing break for me, um, like away from all that stuff. So uh, I'm 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 very very happy uh, to to have you on, David. Um, and for those that don't know, what do you do in the world of comics? Well, I uh, I I publish my own comics under the name Fred Egg Comics. And um, <clears throat> some of my titles have been uh, Break the Cake, uh, Wild Attracted, uh, Butter Dream. Uh, lots of meaningless titles that don't really give you any clue as to what's going on in the comics. <laughs> Sounds um, fun, though. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, uh, I just always loved comics, always made them, so uh, I uh, just keep on going. And I also um, do, the, do the podcast, uh, That Comic Smell. And I, uh, you know, I write articles for different um, magazines and things as well. So I just try to get involved with comics as much as possible. Nice too, right? Um, and where can people find you online? Yeah, you can uh, you can Google uh, Fred Egg Comics. I've got a, a blog and a, a website, and uh, I update both of them quite regularly. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and. Uh, Facebook and all that stuff as well. So excellent. Come, come find me. Yes, exactly. Come at me. Um, so uh, you, for, for for those listening, uh, you can click through to those uh, those links which are in the show notes. Um, so you can go straight through and follow David on Twitter and check out his blog and and all of his uh, comics and whatnot as well. Um, so uh, unfortunately, um, I do have some some bad news for you. Um, and uh, and some breaking news that's just come on the TV, actually, um, that there's an asteroid heading straight for Earth, unfortunately. Um, and specifically, it's going to be... Um, the impact zone is going to be in, in Scotland somewhere. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm afraid, uh-huh. David. Sorry okay. about that. Um, <laughs> and so my, my first question for you is... Is what's your plan of action for survival uh, before the asteroid impact and after? Uh, well, before I think my plan will be to stand outside the shadow of the asteroid <laughs> as it's coming down, yeah. and uh, that'll be my first plan, and hopefully that'll work. Um. <clears throat> But after that, once uh, most everything's been flattened and, and I'm still alive, um, 
you know, I was thinking about the, uh, the the topic of your podcast, the apocalypse, and it's not a form of reading I really engage in, right. uh, like like um, you know, hiding from zombies and uh, all that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think what books do I read like that, and one I liked was uh, the the Purple Cloud. I don't know if you know that one. No, it's it's one of these. The, the kind of categorise them as last man on earth books. Right. So you, so everyone is dead, yeah. and it's only you now. I see. <clears throat> so this this entire novel uh, by M. P. Shield it was, and it just follows him going all around the world and what he does with nobody else on the planet, <laughs> and he spends a lot of time burning things down. You know. Sure. Uh, so that sounds good to me. I, I'd like to. I'd like to burn everything to the ground. Awesome. <laughs> is, is, that, is, is that a survival plan, though? Yeah, because I'm still alive. Well, yeah, exactly. Everybody in Scotland is dead. It gives you purpose, you know. Can I ask for a, a bigger asteroid so it just kills everyone on the planet? Yeah, sure, man. Why not? It's your apocalypse. Yeah, please. <laughs> Can I have that that somehow it misses me? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can sort that out. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, and um, what, is, are there any particular things that you'd want to burn down straight away? Or Well, I would, I would be able to just pick anything at all in the entire world, would I? Yeah. So yeah, I could yeah. just take my, uh, you know, who knows? What about 10 Downing Street? I could just make my way down there and, there you and go. explode that. Done. Yeah, why not? Too right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I'd recommend giving that book a read. Uh, it's very interesting. Cool. And that was called Purple Cloud, <clears throat> was it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's one of these old uh, sci-fi classics from, you know, almost 100 years ago. Wow. Excellent. I'm always interested in the, the past versions of the future. You know, that's an interesting yeah. thing. Always interesting to hear kind of their takes on it and, you know, what people kind of somewhat predicted um, mm-hmm. and, and what they got completely wrong <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. excellent um, and so um, as you're as you're walking around the planet burning down um, whatever takes your fancy um, and now that you're on your own um, you start talking to yourself quite a lot um, and you start reminiscing about comics and uh, the first question that you ask yourself is what's the first comic you remember enjoying Right, yeah. Well, I did read uh, a lot of comics as a kid, and so there was a lot of the usual stuff like the Dandy and uh, Spider-Man and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And But the, the first one that I remember enjoying, because it was a comic specifically, was Star Wars Weekly number 15 from 1978. Wow. And the reason I say specifically is because I remember this one page um, that was set in the cantina. Uh, you'll remember Star Wars. Mm. So uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca were back in the There you go. I just thought I'd put in some background music for, you for, for context. A fortune now. After, after <laughs> oh, um, I hope, hope <laughs> not. I hope just, just the fact that it came from my... Uh, my vocal cords, it means that I don't have to pay. <laughs> well, fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. It was recognisable. Um, and this, this page set up um, the, the final panel. So Han Solo was being picked on uh, <clears throat> and Chewbacca had left the room. And then Chewbacca came back in the room and it was a case of, oh yes, Chewbacca's going to sort out this nasty alien now, you know? And uh, so the alien is punching Chewbacca repeatedly, and Chewbacca's just standing there, not being affected by this. And and the alien increasingly goes from being cocky until he's getting a bit worried now. And then it just leads up to the final panel, which switch uh, the the point of view is outside the cantina, and the alien is just smashing through the 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 door outside. And looking at that as a kid, I could. You, you filled in the bit where Chewbacca hit him. Right. You know, the point is you didn't actually see Chewbacca hitting him. No. Uh, so I was just aware that that, that was a, quite a comic-centric way of telling a story, you know? Mm. I mean, I know you could do that in a film as well, but 
for me not reading so that. much yeah i thought that was really uh i was aware of that being a comic thing as yeah. i read comic yeah it makes a lot of sense so, so it's certainly not the the first comic i read maybe but it's the first one that clicked with me as a comic device amazing uh, and and how old were you at this age sorry david i would have been six then six wow yeah that's incredible yeah, I mean, you really kind of—that's amazing that you've got that that memory. Um, I know, to, yeah. The, the, I you know, it just it specifically. Up, so. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and funnily enough, I—I um, I, I don't know if you know Robin Barnard and his Star Jaws comics. He does. He he kind of redoes them and right. uh, does puts new dialogue on and things. They're they're really amusing. They're good. Mm. And he had me on as a as a as a guest artist in one of them. And the cover for the Star Jaws I was in was this, was based on Star Wars Weekly 15. So I was delighted with that. It was it was almost like uh, I was getting to be in my, my childhood comic. Oh, that is so cool. Awesome. Um, and so at, at the age of six, were you were you starting to draw comics yourself or, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know when you're at school, you... It's part of what you do, isn't it? You, yeah. you write stories and you and you draw. So I was doing all of that um, at home as well and enjoying it. And you never got at school. Okay, now it's comic making time. You never had that, but you would you would naturally, you know, if you were reading comics, you liked writing and drawing. You were going to at some point make your own comic, you know. So um, that's what happened. Wow, um, and and yeah, that was it. You know, primary school, by the sound. Yeah, of yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah. uh, did that continue kind of through uh, through secondary school or high school? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I never really stopped. Um, no. I just kept doing it, you know. And you, you know, there was never much interest. If anything, there was almost kind of. Uh, I mean, art teachers and things didn't really want you wasting your time with that. Certainly, when I was at school. And I mean, English teachers wouldn't really even see that there was any merit in writing a comic, really, you know. Right. I mean, we we could see it's a kind of a different language of writing comics, but I think yeah. the English teachers would see it as just being kind of a waste of time or not real writing or, or something. Classic. Um, so I just carried on uh, with uh, no interest from anybody, you know. Uh, the situation has continued to, to today, really, you know. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that you know um, it's getting more and more accepted as a legitimate form of literature. You know, um, I think you're right. Story yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly increasing. I think we've got a long way to go, unfortunately. But and there's so many great comics coming out all the time that it just can't get. You know, I can't. I don't think it can help but get better. Yeah. Yeah, 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 hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and so, when did you publish your first comic? When did I publish? Uh, now, let me think. Probably, funnily enough, the last book I did, "Bought a Dream," was a collection of stuff I did in the uh, the nineties. It would have been so probably. Yeah. But I was in my twenties by the time I was photocopying comics up and taking them on along to the the comic shops and things like that. Oh, great. So yeah. you're, you're right in amongst it in terms of photocopying and stapling yourself. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the first few I did were um, certainly after hours at work, you know. Right. Uh, with, with the work photocopier. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, just wait until we get home. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll be all right now. Um, yeah. yeah. I did get to a certain point where I thought, you know, um, I think I maybe need to stop this because if I get caught, this is like theft, you know. <laughs> I got to the point where I was more responsible in life and I thought, I can't really afford to be slacked from this job uh, because of uh, photocopying. Because, you know, when you're doing comics, it's like, it's not like 10 photocopies, you know. It's more like a 24-page comic. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're doing 100 of them. I mean, it adds up pretty quick, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, it, it, it started you off you know yeah um like just just take it as that and you know it's great that you had a had a job where you could kind of you know covertly do that <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah 
Awesome. Um, and so, um, your your mind moves on to another question. Um, whilst you've just burnt down uh, ten Downing Street, um, <laughs> and uh, that that question is, what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Well, like, like all these questions, there's there's lots of different answers, isn't there? But you, yeah, you find you have to settle on one. So I went for the the Perry Bible Fellowship, right? Um, Nick Gurevich, uh, which was a web comic that was running in the in the early two thousands, and there, there was loads of web comics, and uh, I wasn't really down with most of them. I didn't, none of them really clicked, but I found this one every day. It was, you know, a completely different art style. Yeah. And he, such a good artist and so funny. And the, the humour just clicked with me. It was hilarious. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, you were almost guaranteed a good laugh and also a good laugh at how clever it was and how well drawn it was. Um, and then such that, a few, um, you know, a few years later, Dark Horse brought out a collection of it. So it's a really nice book as well now. Hmm. Um, so that that's a great collection to have a read of. So funny. And um, <clears throat> I was actually at Thought Bubble a few years ago and uh, Nick Gurevich was there, but I hadn't seen him on any of the, you know, the leaflets or the... Yeah. So I I just was just walking around seeing who was there, you know, yeah. and then suddenly it was like, what? <laughs> there was all these prints of Perry Bible Fellowship on a table and some guy just stood there, you know. Hmm. I thought, what's he doing selling these, you know? And then it sort of slowly went, what? He's like, Nick Gurevich. And he was like, yeah, hello. Oh, man, I nearly fainted on the spot, you know. Awesome. That is so cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, they didn't kind of, you know, promote the fact that he was going to be there. But... Well, I'm, I'm sure they did, but I, I just missed Maybe. it, yeah. To me, he was the biggest draw of the whole thing. Right, wow. Uh, cool. You know. Um, and it was, I said to him, I, I had no idea you were going to be here. Uh, and I, I said, if, if I'd known, I would have brought my book and you could have signed it. And he went, ah, not a problem. And he, and he had this piece of paper and he just ripped it, a square off it and wrote on it with his pen. Awesome. Uh, he signed this bit of paper and wrote 100% authentic signature. He goes, there, put that in your book. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Have you managed to put it in or is it just yeah, a book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, proud of it. That is I like awesome. that he I liked that he said it was hundred percent authentic in case anyone was unsure, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's not a nice little touch that, isn't it? That's fantastic. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, yeah, Perry Bible Fellowship has come up uh come up once or twice uh before. Uh-huh. Um and uh, yeah, I, I hadn't been aware of it before. Um, but you know, having um, come across it in a, in another episode, um, yeah, it's it's amazing, really, and incredible that yeah, one guy can kind of be so versatile with his heart and everything, um, and yeah. land a joke every single time. <laughs> yeah, and the jokes are also funny, and often often you get to the punchline, and then you have to go back and look for things that were in earlier panels, and that makes you laugh yeah. again. So it's just. Uh, Great stuff. He 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 was my favourite of the the web comics. I think they're all still up there on his website. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. If you Google uh, Perry Bible Fellowship, it will come up um, and kind of go through them all. Um, if yeah. Because um, they're, they're the type of thing that are types of jokes and things that are uh, that are completely timeless. Really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're not really uh, set in 2002 or something, yeah. uh, and so you don't get them anymore. Yeah, it's they are timeless. Definitely the type of thing that you can kind of revisit again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so um, your your mind wanders again onto onto another question, um, and uh, we switch gears in terms of emotions. And you ask yourself, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? Yeah, uh, again, I was I was thinking of a few. I was I was thinking of Mouse, you know, which most people will know, because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's some really sad sections in that. Um, but what I landed on was uh, Rosie Rosalie Lightning, Tom Hart. Yeah. 
because I'd read his stuff, his Hot Chone comics that he did, enjoyed them. But then, of course, he had this um, this terrible tragedy in his life where his his very young daughter died. And even even when you hear, oh, you know, he's done a comic about that, you know, before you even go into it, that it's going to be, you know, very emotional and uh, a notable piece of work. And um, <clears throat> I did, I did get it, and I was reading it in that mindset, and you know, it's it's just uh, so touching, and and you know, it's because it's so personal as well. So you know, there's nothing fake about it. It's really, really honest. Uh, he still because he is a because he is a great cartoonist anyway. The storytelling is just really, you just breeze through it, and. Um, you know, in a way, you're reading it, waiting on the sledgehammers hitting you. You know, uh, and they do, and they do. You know, and but what an amazing piece of work to do after a after a situation like that, and a situation he's still in. You know, yeah, because because, because uh, he says things like, you know, he's he's his best, most cherished memories of his daughter are also the ones that are so painful. You know, at the same time, so. Yeah, that's that. That's really sad. For that question, the saddest book. I had to go for that. Really. Yeah, it's it's one um, that I've been meaning to read. Um, although I'm not sure I'm I'm brave enough to actually read it just yet because my my daughter um, is two in a bit at the moment. Yeah. So that'd really pull at my heartstrings. I think uh, that that um, that type of book. Um, but I mean, what a courageous act. Uh, yeah. by, by Tom Hart to actually take that upon himself to um, to write a story about that and draw it <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, that must have been really, really difficult. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, unique piece of work. <sighs> yeah, absolutely, isn't it? Um, and uh, so, uh, moving on uh, from from that, um, your your mind asks yourself, what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read mm. well again uh, you know horror comics are a funny one you know to get them to to land properly and yeah. be scary aren't they yeah. um i was thinking of a few uh, but then what came to mind was from hell alan mm. moore eddie campbell yeah and uh you know there was just a uh, I, I bought this as it was coming out, issue by issue. And I remember it, um, I was going on a trip somewhere and I'd just bought the latest From Hell. So I was sitting on the bus reading it. And it just so happened it was the issue where it goes into great detail uh, with one of his murders, uh, one of Jack the Ripper's murders in the, in the room. Mm. And, he, and, he, and it's practically the whole issue... Uh, you see all the detail because he had the whole evening in this room to cut this body up. And so it's all these details. And it was a thing where I was sitting on the bus reading it. And then I kind of, I thought if anybody's looking at me reading this, you know, they're going to wonder what on earth I'm looking at here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this kind of torture porn thing. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, um, that, that was a horrific issue. And then there was another aspect of From Hell that, that, in the middle of all this, um, Gull, the, the murderer, he, he often has these hallucinatory kind of episodes and his consciousness is going into the future and things like that. Mm. So suddenly he's in a room and there's people with computers and mobile phones and all that. And I remember reading that and that, that threw me again. It was, it was really, um, what is going on in this comic? You know, it was eerie yeah. and it was... Um, yeah, you were really unsure what on earth was happening. And he would be walking about the streets and then he'd, he'd see modern day buildings um, way back then. Um, so that was, that, that was to me horrific. His, his other one he did, the, the Neonomicon, that was horrible as well, Alan Moore's other one. Mm. Um, I don't know if you read that one, but that was, that was really awful. And in fact, so much so that I'm even reticent to 
talk about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I brought it up there without even uh, thinking I was going to, and then I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a describe what's we'll going on in that. that one. But Alan, Alan Moore certainly knows how to set a tone, doesn't he? Yeah, you're right. I think he sat and thought, well, if I'm doing a horror comic, it's going to be horrible. Yeah, you know, exactly. let's go. No messing around. Yeah, no. Um, that um, art, the Eddie Campbell. I always yeah. think it's it's funny that he's such a perfect fit now. It seems obvious going through it, but when you read his own comics on his own, they're quite. The tone is quite. It's more breezy. It's more light. Mm. Uh, you know, it's whimsical. It can be serious topics as well, but he's he's just got quite a light touch. So I don't know if I would have ever thought of Eddie Campbell for for a Jack the Ripper comic. Uh, but Alan Moore had that that insight to be able to picture it, and it, and it came out brilliantly. Well, yeah, it's a it's a time it's a classic, really, isn't it? Um, for <laughs> for, for comics as well. So, um, <clears throat> great pick. Um, and so, um. We we move on to a new question, um, and you're going to be the first person to actually answer this one um, because uh, we haven't had it before, and it's something that um, I've been meaning to add to the show for quite a while. And that is, what is your favourite cover? Okay, um, well, I uh, I hope I answered this new question to your satisfaction here. The pressure's <laughs> on, I feel. <laughs> Uh, the the one I'm the one I'm going for is uh, an Ian Kennedy cover that he did for the Eagle mm. uh, back in the eighties, and it's a uh, it's a he, he always did the painted stuff, and this cover shows the Mekon firing his um, sorry Dan Dare firing his laser pistol at the Mekon, and yeah. the Mekon's in the foreground, Dan's in the background. And and uh, I mean, there's loads of covers I could have picked. There's lo- even loads of Ian Kennedy covers I could have picked. Mm. But I picked I picked that one because um, I, I had always known for years that Ian Kennedy worked for DC Thompsons, which is based here in Dundee. And so I'd always kind of wondered about that. And then one day, like years and years later, I I just thought I'm going into DC Thompsons' office today. You know, I was wow. into. Cool. <laughs> just minding my own business, yeah. and uh, I, I thought, right, yeah, I'm going in there, and I just went in, and and it was basically like, hello, bring me Ian Kennedy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Amazing. And uh, of course, I went in, and and the uh, the person on reception had no idea who that was or what was going on, you know. <clears throat> but eventually, they did put me through uh, uh, to the commando office, and I was speaking to them there. Uh, explaining <laughs> that I wanted to see Ian Kennedy <laughs> because I had done some writing for um, uh, different comics, journals, and magazines and things. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I can I can tell them, you know, I want to do an interview, and then that they might entertain that. Yeah. So they did, uh, yeah. So they they did. Um, they sent my details to Ian, uh, and then he, and then it was up to him if he was going to phone me or not. And, you know, a few weeks went by and he did phone. Cool. So that was nice. I kind of got to know him, uh, went up to his house and things and had a chat and then interviewed him. And then uh, and then as it went along, I thought, I'd quite like to get Ian to, you know, commission him to do me a, a Dan Dare painting. Mm. And so he said, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. And so as a model for it, I used this very cover we're discussing mm. from the I said, can you do a, a new version of this, you know? And so he did. So it now proudly is in my uh, in my room next door, all framed and everything. So that's why I've gone for that cover. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I've managed to find it, um, mm. the actual cover, and it's pretty rad, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, good, isn't it? Like with the, uh, with the Mekon kind of, you know, hovering just above Dan Dare and... Uh, all green and glowing and everything. Yeah. And uh, the the captions are that uh, Dan saying "Prepare to die, Mekon," and the <laughs> uh, and and the question on the front cover is "Will Dan triumph at last?" Yeah. Very cool. I think I think, uh, I think we all know the answer, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. No, unfortunately not. I think it, I think once it happened, he shot on me. He went, 
you fool. You know, I have a force field. It was something like that, what you know. Doing? Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to hook people in there, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it certainly worked. I and mean, look at that, twenty p, twenty p. It is. That's incredible, isn't it? Just imagine if comics were twenty p today. That would be something else. That Star Wars Weekly uh, number fifteen. That that was ten p. I remember. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the inflation has has gone through the roof, hasn't it? Gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, we uh, we move on to our to our next question, um, which is, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this question, of course, is is open to a lot of interpretation, isn't it? You've left it up to your your person to to figure it out. I think. So uh, I am. Um, I decided to think of a, a comic that actually deals with the meaning of life and, and is quite philosophical and is overtly about those topics. So I, I've gone for The Cute Manifesto by James Kuchalka. And this book is full of his thoughts on life, art, uh, anything he thinks of is in there. And it's just such a... I find I really love Kachalka anyway. His his work is great. He's such a great writer. I love his I love his artwork. I love his whole I find it inspiring. He's very let's just get on with it kind of thing, you know. Right. Um I, I do remember him online talking about, you know, um eating his eating his sandwich while he was in the shower, you know. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> soggy like, uh, sandwich what are you doing yeah, that? Soggy, he, he must uh, i'm hoping he managed to keep it uh away from the soap and, and yeah, not yeah. Get give it soggy. a little umbrella or something yeah but that did make me laugh because it summed up to me his attitude of getting on with it and uh he's also the, the book opens with a couple of letters that he had sent to the comics journal and i remember reading the the journals and it was all about it was kind of an inspirational um thing craft is the enemy he called it that was the name of his letter and it was all about all these artists you know trying to get their craft out what a waste of time it was like come on let's go you know just <laughs> get to uh, it just get to he it was like come on <laughs> oh come on and it, it, it was so uh i remember reading it i remember sitting i remember the moment i read it it was like a thunderbolt you know Came yeah. up with this because, uh, of course, when you went to make comics and things like that, you're always worried that you're not quite good enough yet. You know, mm. I mean, who are you to make a comic? Or, yeah, sure. You know, so you're plagued with that all the time. Yeah. So to me, Plus that was a good step and going. You know, well, you know, so what? Let's go. There's no better thing than to start making comics and right now. You know, there's nothing. There's you know, there's nothing to wait for. No. <laughs> just get to it <laughs> yeah i love, that. I love so, that attitude and and kind of you got to remind yourself about that attitude don't you um you do yeah yeah because i mean it, you, you easily fall into the trap of the is anybody gonna like this um yeah. are people gonna hate me for having done this mm-hmm. or something like that um but then you kind of have to remind yourself that no you just got to keep on going through the process and it'll be all right on the night Basically, yeah, I think. yeah. I, I I always say the same. It's become quick becoming a cliche, but I always say, you know, there's a, a million reasons to not do comics. There really is, mm-hmm. and there's only one to do comics. There's only one reason because you want to sit and do a comic, and there's a million other reasons why you shouldn't be doing it. You know, you're too busy. There's too much to do. You're not making any money at it. You know, everybody's saying your comics are rubbish. Or whatever. That's all just garbage. You just got to and get on with the next page yeah exactly That's there awesome. you go <laughs> there you go done well to <laughs> the right <clears throat> so um uh, the cute manifesto is a, yes. a great comic uh very meaningful to me and yes. uh, that that was uh, alternative comics that one yeah yes it was um and and was it for that specific reason um just because of you know james's kind of attitude <laughs> to it all well, yeah, I think that that does come through. He's very honest as well. He's also got a section in there that goes through um, his wife giving birth, right? And he's he's very 
it's one of the best things I've ever read about from a man talking about being there when his wife's given birth and how he felt about it and, and, and what it's meant to him. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. It's very honest. It's very well written. Uh, it's emotional. It's just, just a great, great comic. Awesome. Cool. Um, and then with it, was there any other particular reason why it kind of really kind of uh, means something to you? Well, let's think. I'm having a little flick through it just now. It's that here. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really... He's one that I, I found with Kachalka that people that have no interest in comics at all can get into his comics. Right. And the reason for that, I think, is he's not really... Uh, he doesn't really work in that kind of, you know, like an interesting page layout, say maybe six, seven, eight panels, whatever. Mm-hmm. He tends to be one panel, two, three, you know, maybe four. But a person is able to read it. I mean, I, I remember I he did one, Quit quit Your Job. Right. So quit, it was called Quit Your Job. And if I remember correctly, every page of that was a panel. So you were able to just pick it up by the title. What's this? Quit your job. And then you, the first page had you, the second. And she sat and read the whole thing. Yeah. And it was probably the only comic she ever read in her life, you know. <laughs> so because um, you sidestep in that whole thing of clever layouts and what have you, that that's quite a comic-centric interest, I think. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's <clears> awesome. But, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't recommend them. Highly enough. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and so uh, we, we move on to, to our next question, uh, which is what's the most underrated comic? Yeah, underrated. That's, a, that's another one, isn't it? I never, I never really concern myself with what's underrated or not. I, I'm, mm. I'm quite selfish, you know. I'm just like, well, I mm. like it. So it's rated 100%, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. 100% so what anybody else thinks about it, who cares, you know. Um, so I was struggling a bit to come up with it, but then I did think of uh, Peter Bagg, who, right. again, to say he's underrated is kind of ridiculous because he's quite, I mean, he's very well known. He was one of the big fantagraphics cartoonists, a lot of success starting in the 80s, 90s, and um, his comics chimed in with that whole Seattle grunge scene, coincidentally, because he he happened to have moved there and was making comics based there, and then all that grunge scene exploded. So he was tied in with all that. Right. Um, but the reason I would think he's underrated is, he's, he's, to me, he's one of these people that is almost so good that he is underrated, because... His storytelling, it's, it's very easy to read. You know, it's it's expertly mm. done and, it, and it, it just comes at you. You read through it, you're laughing, and it just seems easy. Sometimes when a, 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 a cartoonist has done all the work for you and they're just laying it all out for you, then you just sit and read it and go, ha ha. Mm-hmm. And almost like, that was good, throw it away, you know. And then go and read something that's more complicated. They've not laid it out for you. It's cryptic. You're having to figure out things and this and that. And so the reader is almost like, oh, this 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 author must be really clever, you know, because I don't quite get this. But I think to get it to be absolutely clear and still good is almost another step beyond just being cryptic, uh, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I, mean, th- I mean, there's a place for all different kinds of writing and different kinds of comics, uh, but I think because of that, people might sort of take Peter Bag for granted a bit because it's just mm. so easy to read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that you just kind of <clears throat> fob it off almost kind of like once you've read it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah. It's just you know, it's, yeah. That that was really good. Yeah, then you kind of forget it. Kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rather than having to yeah work out the 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 twist in your head, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because you've not had to figure out all the work they've done to make it so clear. 
Yeah. Because exactly. it's so clear, so you don't have to think about that. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that he he almost could have made it into my funniest as well. I mean, I'm I'm always guaranteed almost every time I read a Pete Bag comic, I'm always laughing at it. You know. Hmm. Very cool. Awesome. Um, and so uh, we come on to one of the most difficult questions, and that is for you: what is the best comic of all time? Yeah, this is, this is the difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, this one is so difficult; it's kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, I like to pin it down to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good exercise, right? It's like, yeah. well, I've got to say you... something. So, what am I going to say? Yeah. So I was, I was, um, because of the impossibility of answering it, I thought, well, why not go use the old nostalgia trip? Yeah. And go back to one of the oldest comics again that I've got. And so I've gone back to the days of the Incredible Hulk being on the TV every week. And for Christmas, I got the Incredible Hulk pocketbook, which was a little paperback book of the first six issues of the Hulk comic series. Right. And this book, if you could see it, it, I mean, it's, it's, Falling apart. The covers are long gone. It's it's sellotaped all over the place. Hmm. But As it should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been read and read to death, and um, you know I can kind of look at it now and go, well, yeah, it's completely nostalgia fueled that I love it, but it also does happen to be you know Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. Stanley, it's like the classic first six issues of the Hulk, yeah. all in one little package, which I didn't know at the time. I just thought, oh, here's a nice Hulk comic book. Exactly. And enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so to me, on this occasion, that is the best comic of all time. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Hulk pocket book. You know, you couldn't couldn't ask for more. I think that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, and is it is it the one because I've, I've I've managed to get. Um, one of the covers up. Is it the one right. where um, he's kind of lunging forward almost, and he's got his hands kind of almost clenching? That's oh, a yellow cover, and yeah. As I say, I don't actually have the cover on this anymore. Oh uh, right, sorry, right, I missed. But uh, this this says uh, the Incredible Hulk pocketbook edition published April nineteen seventy eight. So. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like that's right what you're saying, but then that could maybe be said of ninety five percent of Hulk of comics. Hulk comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it says it says on the, on the front cover there that it's issues one through six, complete yeah, that's and unabridged, yeah, that's full that's color, it. cover to cover. Yeah, yeah, this sounds like about, it's about right. Um, that's incredible, um, and uh, <laughs> obviously that kind of takes takes you through the the origins of, of of the hulk from the very beginning it does yeah and it's um you know i, I feel like uh kirby and lee uh they kind of did everything with the hulk that ever needed to be done in those first six issues in a way yeah you know? <laughs> it's kind of all they there. burn the candle right at the start <laughs> yeah i mean he changes from issue to issue that they're, they're obviously tr- still trying to figure out exactly how his character is yeah so first uh, first it becomes night time so then he becomes the hulk because it's night time then right. he's it's because he's angry then he's got a big gamma gun and so whenever he wants to become the hulk he shoots himself with a gamma gun <laughs> you know it just keeps changing and all these things that they did years later where they'd have like um intelligent hulk mm. But I mean that's in here. That's like issue four or something. And then they had a gladiator kind of uh, World War Hulk kind of thing. Yeah, that's in right. here. He does that as well. It's all in the first six issues, I think. <laughs> and then just recycle. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, great, great book. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, and it fits in your pocket as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Super. You know, it's so, it's so small. The pages are, are printed so small. It's just like a normal small paperback. That the type, you know, the um, it's tiny. 
Yeah, and that I, is. I can actually remember my parents being worried about me reading it, you know, for uh, for my eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they were right, because I'm, I'm struggling to see it now. Uh, no doubt. If it's pocket size and it's kind of, you know, being resized from an American-sized comic, it's yeah. going to be pretty tight oh. on, the, on the lettering. It's also got another page in here that is similar to the Star Wars one where you see the Hulk inside a big tent and then he punches this guy and, and then it's outside the tent and the and the and the character comes flying out, you know, through uh, through the tent. So a similar idea there. Nice. That's awesome. Um yeah, I'm gonna have to try and try and find that. I wonder if it, if if that um if that's worth anything these days. Um not that you'd sell it, of course, David. But well, no. Um, I mean, my copy is probably worth nothing because it's just completely destroyed. <laughs> Complete tatters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Every time I pick it up, there's a load of dust and everything comes off it. You know. But yeah. if you were ever interested in reading that, I know, I know that they've done like you know these Marvel Masterworks series and what have you. Okay. They've done better editions of them now. Yeah. So you can just pick them up. <clears throat> yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, there you go. So you can actually get it for like nine bucks. So it's really not oh, that, not that right. pricey. Um, yeah, you know, on on eBay, um, it's too, it's like uh-huh. twenty dollars shipping. But like, if you right. wanted to, yeah, get the actual pocket series itself. Yeah, very yeah. cool, awesome. Um, and so uh, we come on to our final question in regards to comics, uh, and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse from this list. Uh, and carry around with you whilst you burn the planet. <laughs> Which would it be? I think it would have to go for the cute manifesto. Yeah. Because it is so in tune with what it is to be alive, you know? Yeah. Not to be over the top about it, but it's, a, it's just such a great book. It would remind me what other people used to be like, you know, the the good side of them. Yeah. Before there was nobody left, that is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're the only person left on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Say lovey. <That's> <laughs> yeah, at least it's quiet, eh? Yeah, exactly. You can yeah, actually get stuff quiet. done now. <laughs> yeah, I can get all these more comics done for literally nobody to read. <laughs> I could, uh, you know, draw them, find a photocopier, uh, and then throw them in the fire of the, the entire building. Nice. Sounds like a good publishing model. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, speaking of which, um, with with this asteroid impact in mind, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like alongside of the uh, the cute manifesto? Right. Well, yeah. N- now that we've been talking about um, setting fire to everything, I think <laughs> what we to go for is a box of matches, because you know, often on a on a movie. Or, or a TV show, they'll say, yeah, I'll get a fire started, you know? And then they've yeah. got, like, a flint and a few twigs, and they go, tick, 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 or whatever, and then it cuts, and there's a huge fire. And seriously, I mean, have you ever tried to do that? Oh, my God, it takes ages. No, I mean, <laughs> if you get it going. <laughs> I, I tend to think that's made up, and that's never happened for anybody ever, <laughs> apart from in TV shows. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have a box of Swan Vestas, I mean, especially in Scotland, it's, it can be quite damp up here as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. You need to be Ray Mears to start a, a fire in Scotland, I think. <laughs> it's all the squeezing of a dung, you know, to get the water out that I don't fancy. No, no, thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. But a box of matches, of endless yeah. matches, um, would be uh, would be very useful um, for, your, uh, for your arsenic tastes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, uh, David Robertson, thank you so much for being on Comics for the Apocalypse and, and sharing all of your comic choices. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, and just for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? Look up Fred Egg Comics. And then uh, you'll, you'll be able to find you from there, Fried Egg Comics. Fred. Fred, sorry. Fred Egg. <laughs> we said this before, yeah. didn't you we? Know, that happens a lot, though, because it, it should be fried. 
But yeah. I made up Fred Egg when I was a kid, and so I thought he's Sorry. an egg alive. He's called Fred. Yeah. Because uh, it's the Dundee dialect as well. You would actually say fried Fred in Dundee. Yeah, as well. So, so there you go. Fred Egg comic. <laughs> so Fred Eggs, exactly. Sorry about that, David. It's a <laughs> slip, of, slip of the tongue. Like, you just you want to say fried. Exactly. Um, Excellent. Um, And uh, do you have any other cons coming up this year or or early next year? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be at Thought Bubble. Great. Yeah. So uh, I've not been there for a couple of years. Uh, I've not actually been since it moved. So I'm looking forward to Mm. the new the new uh, Harrogate, isn't it? This time. Yes, correct. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be tabling there. Um, So yeah, come up and say hi. Are you going to be there? Uh, unfortunately not. I was there last year, oh, but uh, okay. I didn't manage to make it this year. So, um, yeah, um, I'm going to have to wait until next year, perhaps, to to, to meet face to face. Well, yeah, I'll catch you at one of these things, one of these days. Yeah, one day, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then, do you have any other any others coming up uh, early next year, or uh, nothing planned for next next year yet? So we'll see. Usually, I'd like to go to a couple of things a year, so we'll just yeah. see. Um, either I go uh, myself or with the uh, the comic smell guys go for a day trip, you know. Yeah, too right. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks again for for your time today. Uh, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, um, hopefully our paths will cross uh, con at some point in the future. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot, David. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to David for being on Comics for the Apocalypse today. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out David's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.